where it is a prayer night for the Church of Auckland. So any church is welcome to come along. We pack out the arena with thousands of people. Elam Christian Centre is one of the main contributors towards uh, financially making that happen. We partner with a bunch of other larger churches. Um, And so you're invited to come along on that night. We're going to have an amazing time. When God's people pray, something shifts. And so we're believing as we gather um, in that arena on that day that God is going to hear our prayer and something's going to happen. And if you want to register to help, I know a bunch of people last year helped serve um, in the ushering team for that event. Um, then on our Facebook page this week, we're going to post a link. You can click it, register yourself, and uh, then you'll get all the information that you need. So it's a few weeks away though. So yeah, but just so you know. Cool, cool, cool. You guys doing well? Welcome to the second Sunday of 2021. Who's here? Who's at first church service of 2021? A few people. Welcome. Oh, heaps of people. Good to see you. They just didn't want it. You just waited to see if someone else put their hand up. It's okay. You're allowed to have a holiday. (laughs) No dramas. Who's back to work for the first time tomorrow? Keep your hand up if you're pumped. Get better work stories, eh? How good's work, though? You get to see your lovely colleagues again and get back into it. I was talking to um, Brent earlier, and he want, wanted to be snowed under at work. He doesn't like it when it's light and easy. He wants a busy week. Anyone else like that? Yeah, makes the time go faster. <laughs> All right, we are in a series called Promises. And uh, last week, Darcy did an amazing job and opened the series up with a brilliant message that challenged us on being intentional in the way that we spend time with God. If you remember, she said, make it obvious, attractive, easy, and satisfying. And if I'm to be honest, I've been thinking about that message all week. And I've been thinking about it, and I've been praying over us that that wouldn't have just been a message that we heard, but a message that we would actually apply to our life. If 2020 reminded us of anything, it was that we are to be focused on the things that truly matter, right? The things that enrich us, the things that grow us, the things that we are called to, the things that really matter. Not things like our houses, our homes, or our hobbies. Houses and homes is the same thing. Um, <laughs> doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Well, one service, I don't even get to like correct my mistake next service, so you're going to get it as it comes. <laughs> but the things that really matter, like the things that your soul actually cry out for, Jesus gives us this amazing like black and white tip on what that is. Matthew 22 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Maybe you've heard that. It says, The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So he's saying, Love God with everything that you've got and prioritize the love that you have for human relationships. Even if we throw right back to the Garden of Eden where God created Adam, He created Adam and then not long after He said, it is not good for man to be alone. And so the promise I want to unpack for us here this morning is simply this. The promise is that even though God makes us whole and completes us as people, we are better together. We're better together. But being together can be messy, right? Like it sounds good on paper, but being together can bring disagreements, arguments, not seeing eye to eye, different values and perspectives. Being together can result in hurt, pain, confusion, and disappointment. And yet with all of that in the mix, even yet we are better together. 
Psalm 133 says that where there is unity, God commands his blessing. Proverbs 27, as iron sharpens iron, so one friend sharpens another. Ecclesiastes 4, it says one person could be attacked, but two are stronger and even better yet three are like a triple braided cord that cannot easily be broken. 1 Corinthians 12 says uh, that we are referred to as a body where we all play a significant part and we help each other grow. This morning, I want to speak to what I believe right now in this season is one of the greatest challenges that we specifically us have as a church, but also doubles as one of our greatest opportunities. See, we are on the brink of defining who we are and what it means to be part of this community because we've had something in the past and and yet despite that, we've had this uncompromising goal where we have been vigilantly going after the promise that God has for us, the vision that He's placed in front of us, this uncompromising goal of growth and inclusion. And so because of that, it's important that we take moments to recalibrate and rethink what it is that we're building. Because if we want to stay the same, we can just carry on. People come in and they say, oh, you've got lots of Dream Team members. It looks like you've got it sorted. Only if we want to stay the same. But if we want to grow and reach more people and go after the vision that God has placed in front of us, then no way do we have enough. We want to go after that. If we want to stagnate and look inward, then that will happen for us, whether we like it or not, if we choose to do nothing. I remember this time two years ago, we started gathering in our youth room as the launch team gatherings for what would eventually be Elam Christian Center Papakura. Oh, the glory days. And at those times, Darcy and I knew pretty much every single person's name. We knew every child's name. We had had coffee with and learnt the story of pretty much every person. We were journeying with them. It was really nice. It was really nice knowing everyone. It was really comforting knowing that every person had a place and a space to belong. And the selfish part of every person in the room in those days, kind of wish it just stayed like that. But we knew that that was not the reason for which we had gathered. And so from day one, Darcy and I were set out, not like months down the track, but from day one, we want to sound like a broken record with a message that is clear that we are not gathering just for ourselves, but to urgently and passionately go after the community that God had placed us in. And over time, we noticed, uh, as we expected, that things started to change. Because the people that were in that room in those days, they were culture carriers. They knew what it meant to be on mission. And so as other people came in and they were welcomed in and they were cared for and connected, maybe that was you. I, I, I have a feeling that you got a sense as you came in, there's something about this place. God is doing something here. And you got a sense of jumping on board with the mission as well. And now we find ourselves at a time where Darcy and I, we don't know everyone's name. In fact, we haven't met everyone, even those that are just in the room today. We haven't met all of you. We haven't had that chance to sit down and have coffee. We don't know your story, but can I tell you that is a good problem? It doesn't sound like it, but that is a good problem because this was always going to happen. This was always part of God's plan for us. We always knew from the start that we were bigger than just ourselves. We were part of something bigger than us. But the beautiful picture of the kingdom of God is that it doesn't matter where you come from, what you look like, who you voted for. doesn't matter how far in your journey with God you are, or even if you're not at all. The point is that there is a place and a space for you right here. And the greatest part of this challenge that we face is that God has already given us the solution. And the solution is around us. The solution is in the room. Because community isn't just something that we get to be a part of. Community, community is something that we've each been called to build. Yeah. 
Community isn't just something that you should benefit from, but community is something that you've been called to carry the burden for. It should be a benefit, but on each of our hearts, it should be a burden. See, when the Israelites returned to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple, remember that story from a few weeks ago? The Bible says that the workforce was made up of everyone. Everyone was involved in the building process. But the problem with me standing here and reminding everyone that we need community is that for many people in this room, you've forgotten that you weren't meant to just benefit from it, but that you are called of God to create this environment for other people. And the trap is this. The trap is thinking that your independence is an adequate rebuttal to your need for community. Like, yeah, people need community. May be true for others, but I'm sweet. But having friends and mentors is one of God's greatest gifts to your soul. That's why Jesus said, love the Lord your God, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. That's the greatest commandment. And also love people like you would love yourself. See, the picture for the church that God has given us here at Elam is one that you would come into a room like this and you would be part of something that's growing, dynamic, passionate, and filled with life, that your gaze would be lifted to heaven and you would be inspired to believe for God's best in your life. And in the same picture, it's that you would be known by name, that every person would be prayed for by name, that you would have someone that you could call at 3 a.m., if you felt like you really needed to, only if you really need to. <laughs> I remember sometime last year, Darcy and I, we got invited over uh, by the Gilmores for, for dinner, Mike and Joe and Kimberly and I think the Dakin family. We had a great time. Food was good. We had great laughs. The company was the best part of it. And I remember being at their home, just having a co- casual conversation and I was sitting on the couch with Mike and we were just chatting and he so generously made this comment towards me. He said, hey, I, I don't know if you've got this person, but if you ever need someone that you can call at 3 a.m., I can be that person. Now, I haven't needed to take Mike up on that offer yet, but can I tell you what that did for my soul? It gave me peace. It gave me assurance. It felt right to connect with someone that was placing value on my life and on my journey. The picture of the church is that we are better together. Darcy unpacked this so brilliantly last week that every promise is yes and amen, right? It's yes in Christ Jesus, but it's amen by us. So we can hear the promise that we're better together, but we have to amen it. We have to engage with it. We have to be intentional in working this out. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but community doesn't just happen. When you're like four, it kind of does. You just walk into a room and like, we're friends. That's just how it happens. (laughs) Or we're enemies, I don't know. But as you grow older, you don't walk into a room and just make friends. You've actually got to be intentional with it. A couple of really quick thoughts on on building community. Um, Don't take things personally. That's a really hard one because we can get offended really easy. But sometimes I find that people can hurt us out of their own insecurities. And I'm not saying this should always be our response, but sometimes our response to being hurt should be grace for the person who hurt us out of their own pain. Another thought would be this, understand that this is a battle worth fighting. You know the saying like, pick your battles. There are some battles that just aren't worth fighting. And husbands, you know what that's all about. But (laughs) there are some battles that are not worth fighting, but community is a battle worth fighting for. I would say this as well, make sure you maintain a stance of believing the best in others. Stop thinking that everyone hates you. They don't. I I remember when we were youth pastors, it was hilarious. So many teenagers would come to us and be like, my teachers hate me. They all hate me. 
all of my teachers hate me. And we're like, no, they don't. Like, your teachers actually don't hate you. Although there's, you know, a couple of occasions. No, they don't. <laughs> Maybe you're an exception. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> believe the best in others and believe that they look fondly upon you. It's a good default stance to have. Be mindful of those that aren't connected. You know, it's actually the Christian's responsibility to notice the outcast and not just leave it there, but actually do something about it. Oh, that person's not connected. Hope someone helps. Maybe you're the one to help. Don't get so consumed in our own little bubble that we fail to see those around us that aren't connected. Small groups. Small groups are a place where there is always room for more. I love all of our small group leaders. They're the pastors of the church. They're legends. But I want to give a shout out to Shemaine. Shemaine is absolutely brilliant at making people feel welcome. The, the amount of times I get like, an inquiry of someone that wants to join a small group and they're a young adult and, or a single guy and I send them to Shemaine. No, I'm joking. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. Joke. But I send the contact to the man and say, hey, would you reach out to this person? Would you include them? And she's not like, yeah, I guess so. But she's like, there's always room for more. Let's go. She welcomes them in. It has that person feeling like they were actually always part of the family. Small groups are a place where there is always room for more. Church. Church is a place where there is always room for more. If you're used to your seat, if you're used to this room, then Bad news is things are going to change. The only thing you should get used to is the fact that things are always going to change. We're always going to make room and make space and change what we do so that more people could be part of this community and come to love God. I love a story that, that Brad down here who leads our tech team, he told our dream team. And I'm going to retell this story without his permission. Um, <laughs> it's all good, I reckon. Um, <laughs> He tells a story of when his wife, um, Nicole and, and Brad, they came into our launch team gatherings in those early days. Um, they had previously in other years been connected into church, but at this time they weren't really. And they found themselves walking in and Brad walked in with the attitude of, I don't need any more friends. I mean, he's a popular guy, to be honest, so I don't blame him. He walked in thinking, I actually don't need any more friends. Like, and then he came and he experienced this beautiful community. And he was like, oh, okay, I guess it's all right. Like, I guess that person's kind of cool and I guess that person's kind of cool. It was interesting because as he walked in, his attitude, and maybe we need to check ourselves. Maybe we have the same attitude, perhaps. You walk in and you go, I'm sweet. I've got my friends. I've got my support network. I, I feel supported. I'm all good. And maybe Brad didn't need any more friends but maybe someone needed a bread. And so when you think about turning up to an event, turning up to small group, turning up to church, turning up to, to a gathering, a birthday party, whatever it is, maybe you're okay, but maybe God wants to use you to help somebody else be okay. Come on, are we just friendly on the door or are we friendly in our seats? Are we friendly and welcoming when we're serving on the dream team, but when it's our week off, ah, now it's all about me and my mates? Or are we actually outward focused, always on mission, always ready to welcome people into the family? There's this amazing picture of the early church in the book of Acts. Uh, maybe you've heard it, but I'll read it to you, and it should be on the screen. Acts chapter 2. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You know what I love about this picture? It's a picture where nobody misses out. It's a picture where nobody's excluded. It's a picture where everybody has a place. 
you know, when Jesus was walking around and asking people to follow him, looking for his disciples, I noticed that he didn't walk around looking for people that already believed what he believed. Because at that time, pretty much no one believed what he believed. He didn't walk around looking for the stylish people with their Gucci sand slippers and their desert chic outfits. He wasn't looking for people that were popular in the eyes of the world. But he walked along and he said, you, come hang out with me. You, come hang out with me. You, oh, you, you two aren't going to get along. <laughs> ah, you, come hang out with us. He was showing us God's heart. He's showing us God's heart that there is a place for everybody to belong. Now, now, not everyone has to be super close, like Peter, James, and John were to Jesus, but everyone had a place to belong. Could 2021 be the year? We're like Darcy unpacked so brilliantly last week. We could be intentional with spending time and building our relationship with God, but also with the network that He's created us within. To prioritize relationship and community, but to understand that we each have a significant part to play in building that. A few thoughts that I think are going to help this morning. The first one is this. Number one, turn up. Rocket science. Turn up. Be present. Build courage and cross the line. Turn up when it's hard and turn up when it's easy. Turn up when life is good because in those moments, God wants to use you to bring comfort and healing to other people's lives. I need you to know that your presence has so much more value than you've ever given it credit for. I've been reading the book of Job. We're on this um, Bible recap. Who's doing the Bible recap with us? Bunch of people. It's good, eh? And we're reading Job, and he's had a really hard time. Like, and that's an understatement. He is at the worst. He has lost everything in his life. And I love the story because Job has some close mates. And the friends hear that Job is struggling, and they turn up, and they sit with him for seven days, and they don't say a word. The Bible says they don't say a word because the friends could see that his suffering was unbearable. It was far easier for the friends to keep their distance, but they knew they had to turn up. They knew being present might be helpful. Turns out they were more trouble than they were worth. But the idea here is that they knew turning up and being there in person would add value to Job's life. Nothing quite says I care like actually turning up in person. I remember when my Dad unexpectedly died in 2012 uh, from a heart attack. Actually, yesterday was the nine-year anniversary. And um, I, obviously, my close friends heard about it at the time. And uh, one of my good friends, Sam, I remember getting to the funeral, and I hadn't spoken to my friends much about it. I was pretty focused on the family matters that were going on. And I remember being there, and my good friend, Sam, and his whole family turned up. I didn't know they were coming. In fact, his whole family, none of them had ever met my dad. But there they were, like eight of them all turned up. We didn't share many words that day. But I would struggle to think of too many other occasions where I felt more considered, seen, and supported. They knew they didn't really have the words to say. They didn't quite know how to comfort me. They didn't even know my dad. But being there in person, they knew would mean the world to me, and it did. You know, as Christians, you need to be reminded. I know not everyone in the room is a Christian, and that's great news. But for those that in the room that are, you need to be reminded that you're a minister. Like you are. People call me a pastor, and that's fine. Like, call me whatever you like, really. You call me frosty, but you are a minister. You are called of God to be his mouthpiece. You carry resurrection power. You carry an anointing to speak life, to see miracles, and to, to see people restored. Look, it's not you that restores people. But you're the exact sort of person that God is looking for. Broken, yep. Sometimes hurting, yes. 
imperfect, yes, nervous, yes, anxious, yes, introvert, extrovert, yes, yes, yes. It's in our weakness that God's strength finds a perfect place to work. And so turn up, not just for how God might use you, but actually I want to suggest it's because it's what you need more than you realize. You know, a few years ago, I used to go to the gym all the time. That's not a joke. <laughs> um, but when, when I did go, uh, back in the day, uh, I was pretty hard out. I went like every day for three or four months. I built this amazing habit. And even though I went every day, I have to admit, I didn't work out every day. Uh, there were some days where the last thing I wanted to do was go to the gym. Amen? Amen. Last thing I wanted to do. But can I tell you what I did on those days? I put on my gym gear. I jumped in the car, I drove to the gym, I sat on a machine, I put my headphones and I played some games on my phone. Don't you judge me. I sort of like half did a set, kind of like with nothing on the bar, you know, just warm up, warm up. And then, then I would wander over to another machine and I'd sort of sit on that and send some text messages. I'd wander over here just watching the time, you know, I've got to do a good 45 minutes, get the good workout in. I'd go over to the water cooler, have a few sips, you know, just to prove to everyone in the gym that I'm working hard, wander around a few more machines, and then I would go home. Now, you might say, Frost, that's not how it works. <laughs> I'm well aware of that. <laughs> but can I tell you why that wasn't a fail? I did that on purpose. Because there are days where you just don't feel like it. But by turning up that day and just mingling around and not doing much, I maintained my habit of going every day. The next day I was back. The next day I was back and I put in even more effort to make up for the day that I missed before. But by turning up, what I was able to do is maintain the habit of going because I knew if I just didn't turn up, I knew myself. I would start getting used to not going. And then I know at that point it would be game over. Sometimes you just got to turn up to church even when you don't feel like it to maintain a habit and a rhythm that you know in your heart is good for you. Listen, sometimes you need to turn up to small group dominate the bowl of Maltesers, drink a cup of tea, say amen at the end of the prayer and go home. And I tell you now, that is more, that's a win in more ways than one. That's because it's good for you. You maintain the habit of going, turning up. Sometimes you got to keep the coffee date, turn up to the birthday party, go to brunch with your parents, not because any one of those moments will change your life, but because you can't afford to let the enemy of community sneak into your life. One of the biggest lies the enemy will throw in your face on the daily is that you're okay without community, that you don't really need it, that you like being by yourself. You're an independent person. You've mastered contentment. And look, that stuff can be true and at the same time, if you aren't intentional with building community, you step away from how God designed your soul to flourish. Deep, enriching, fulfilling, challenging human relationship is the second most significant gift that God has given us. The first is the ability to know Him and the forgiveness that He offers to make that possible. But secondly, He designed you for community. So turn up, be present, trust God in the process. Could this be a year where we would see with more clarity the importance of having person-to-person -person community? And not just that you would benefit from it, but that you too would carry the burden for building it. Turn up. Second thing is this, speak up. Speak up. If community doesn't just happen, then the way that we're intentional is really important, right? Uh, there's two different ways I think we can speak up when it comes to building life-giving relationships and community. And the first one is this, um, to speak up, Number one, challenge. 
Have you ever had someone challenge you in public? Like correct you in public? Have you ever had anyone like yell at you on the road telling you how to drive? Nah, me neither. I was just wanting to see, see if you had. Challenge is so hard to accept. Why? Because we naturally get defensive. You don't know me. Don't judge me. That's sort of our response, whether it's externally or internally. But listening and responding to well-meaning correction is what allows us to learn and grow. It helps us to be fruitful and steers us away from unnecessary damage. That's why it says in Proverbs 12.1, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. But he who hates reproof, love this, is stupid. You're dumb if you hate reproof. The hard thing about being corrected is we only ever want to hear it if we think the person actually cares about us. Because we don't care how much you know until we know how much you care. And Jesus was the master of building relationship with people. Get this, so that he had right standing with them so that he could challenge, so that he could bring correction, so that he could bring rebuke. rebuke. There's this one time that Peter, who was really close to Jesus, utters something out of his mouth along the lines of, Jesus, you don't have to go to the cross, which we now know very much so he did. And Jesus turns to his good friend Peter, and he challenges him, and he says, get behind me, Satan. That's strong. Now, when I read that, I'm like, firstly, that's hilarious. Secondly, this is like, this is heavy. What's amazing to me is not that Jesus said it, but that Peter didn't turn around, turn his back on Jesus and go and find some other friends. Peter didn't go, Jesus, I don't need that negativity in my life. I'm out of here. That challenge that he received from Jesus would have been so hard to hear. But because he knows that Jesus cares for him, deeply cares for him, he was able to receive that challenge well. Hebrews 12, 11, no discipline is enjoyable when it's happening. It's painful. But afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Jesus made regular deposits into his relationships. You can easily see as you read scripture, it was one of his priorities. He spent time, effort, his gifts. He deposited into his relationships so that when the time came in a loving and gracious way, he had something to draw from when he needed to challenge. If you prioritize building these close relationships, it allows people to speak into your life without you getting all offended and defensive. And this is great news because just like me, gentle, godly correction is what you need as well. Removing yourself from an environment where you can be challenged and corrected is to remove yourself from the opportunity to grow and get better. We need to speak up. And and the first way to do that is to challenge, both lovingly challenge from a basis of good relationship, but be willing to be challenged ourselves. Second thing that we can do when it comes to speaking up is to share your struggles. Galatians 6, 1-2. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You know, one of the most life-giving aspects of meaningful community is that the weight that you carry can now sit on more sets of shoulders. Listen, bottling up your struggle and not sharing it isn't brave. It isn't private. That's not what perseverance looks like. Actually, it's just a misunderstanding of how God created His people. It is biblical and it is godly to help those around us who are struggling, to listen to their pain, and to do our best to feel what they feel, to commit yourself to daily prayer for those around you, you know that are doing it tough. 
you know, as a pastor, I've met with many people over the years. And I've sat there and I've listened to their struggle. More often than not, these are far more common than people realize. And more often than not, the way forward usually presents itself as one small step followed by another small step. And on so many occasions, I've sat there and I've listened. I've given very little direction or advice. I've just done my best to make sure that they feel heard and valued. And on so many occasions, I've had people stand up and say, I feel so much better like a weight has been lifted. Confession, I'm a con. I didn't do anything. I just sat there and I listened and I added value to someone's life by listening to every word that they would say because the truth is there is something restoring and healing about sharing our challenges with those around us who truly care. Stop thinking that sharing your challenges places an unnecessary burden on someone else. It is actually God's call that we would care for and carry the burdens of one another. You do have to read your own dials though and know your limits. Not every person is prepared already to help carry every struggle. But I would say this, heaviness isn't just a sign of your struggle. It can be an indication of your lack of community. Not always, but heaviness doesn't just suggest that you're going through a struggle, but actually it can suggest that you've got lack of community around you. Because with community, the weight gets lifted. Even Jesus understood this by having people around him when he was struggling. Matthew 26, verse 36 to 38 says, Then Jesus went with them, his disciples, to a place called Gethsemane. It was a garden. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And get this, And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, so he took them with him, and then he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. He knew he was going over there to be sorrowful, to be troubled, and he took some close people with him. We all go through tough times, but you don't have to suffer in silence. Speak up, reach out. And if someone reaches out to you, consider that God prompting you to help bring healing and restoration to their life. We are in this together. We need to turn up, we need to speak up, and finally, and Ben, you can join me, we need to step up. We need to step up. It's time. It's time to step up and be a leader to invite people, to organize and initiate, to look for those that aren't connected, to be part of a team that builds a community where everybody has a place. I was talking to my good friend Adrian, leads the online campus. They recently bought a home in a new development in Drury called Oranga. I know Nathan and Lee, you guys live there as well, and maybe others. Um, I've met a few people that live there. And we were talking about this development, and it was amazing because he said, when they're selling it, they're not just selling you a home, they're selling you the vision of a community. They're selling you the vision of a lifestyle. Uh, come and live in Oranga, and you're not just living in a home. You're living in a community of people that stand on the porch and wave. Each. I haven't seen much waving on the porch just yet, but apparently it's coming. You know what's amazing about this? They've already sold like a bunch of these Kiwi-built homes, and, and they've been holding these like Christmas picnics, and they've got all these initiatives to help the, um, I was going to say civilians, that's weird, um, <laughs> to help the residents meet each other. They've got all these extra initiatives that are costing them money. And I was chatting to Adrian, I was like, why are they doing this? Because like, they don't have to. Like, everyone that's attending the events has already bought a home. Like, they've all, the developers already have their money. There's no financial incentive to actually run these little community events for the people that are there that have already bought homes. And then it dawned on us, maybe, just maybe, money's not the motivator. 
Maybe for these developers, they're looking at this saying, hey, in, in 20 years, if we could look back and say, we had a hand in and we saw the birth of and we helped develop a genuine community where it wasn't just strangers living on the same street, but people that actually knew each other, that would jump in and offer free babysitting to, to release a, a family to go out for a date night, that pe- people would actually know each other. Committing your life to building genuine community where everyone has a place to belong is one of the greatest things you could ever commit your life to. We need more people to step up and be small group leaders. We need people to step up and walk across the room and invite that new couple out to lunch. Not right now, they'd be rude. We need more people to ask each other, how are you going? And then actually listen to the response. Come on, we're all guilty of that. How are you? And then you give not one second of thought as to how they might respond, but to actually listen. We need people in this place to feel safe that when they are asked that question, they can say, I'm not doing too well, and that's okay. We need people to seek out every opportunity to invite people to church, not so that we can fill a room, but so that we could fill heaven, so that people's lives could be filled with the presence of God, so that they could find the community that their soul longs for. Let me challenge you. Don't let your comfort be the reason for someone's disconnect. The promise, the promise is that we're better together, that there is a place for you, that you matter, that you count, that we see you. And I believe with my whole heart that God has called every single person in this room, including myself, to step up when it comes to being intentional with community. It doesn't have to be daunting. It doesn't have to be scary but it's about having eyes to see those that God has brought across your path and having an urgency to be used by Him to build something that matters, something that truly matters. Turn up, speak up, and step up. We're about to finish, but you know, if Jesus is our example, it's interesting that even up until His final moments, He never stopped inviting people in. He never stopped including people in His world. As He's hanging there on the cross and He's about to take the final blow in the punishment for the sins of the world. He's got a criminal hanging on His left and a criminal hanging on His right. One of them mocks Jesus. And the other's like, are you crazy? You don't even fear God even when you've been sentenced to die. And then He says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus turns to that criminal and He says, I assure you, Today you will be with me in paradise. Not today you get to go to heaven. Today all of your pain is gone, but today you get to be with me. It was always about relationship and intimacy. And that's why Jesus said this. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's house. If this were not so, would I have not told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. God wants to be with you. He's everywhere. He's around. But He wants to have relationship with you. He wants to build a life with you where you would know Him intimately. I'm going to pray a prayer in just a moment. The Bible says that we've all sinned, Romans 3.33, and that the sin that we've all carried, it's every time we make a decision that we know is not right in God's eyes, Every time we think we know better than God, the Bible labels that as sin. And that sin separates us from a perfect God. That's the worst news. 
But the good news is that He sent His Son, Jesus, to die on a cross to take that punishment for sin, the punishment that we all deserved. And as Jesus hung there on the cross and He took the punishment and He says, it is finished, what He meant was nothing more needed to be done. Everything that needed to be achieved for you to be connected back with your Father in heaven took place. All you need to do is accept it. I'm gonna pray a prayer. If you wanna get your life right with God, you've never said yes to Jesus before, today is your day. You don't need to go sort things out. There's no other conversations to have. As you are, God sees you, He loves you, and He wants to welcome you home this morning. Why don't we all close our eyes and bow our heads? I'm gonna pray this prayer. You pray it in your heart, I'll pray it out loud. You don't have to pray it out loud like I am, but mean it with everything that you've got. God loves you and He's got forgiveness for you. Pray this prayer in your heart. Say, dear God, I acknowledge that I've sinned, chosen my own way, tried to do it in my own strength, but it just feels like a dead end. God, right now, I declare that I believe you sent your son Jesus to a cross to die in place of me so that I could walk in freedom. God, I ask you to forgive me of my sin and I thank you that you do. Would you come into my life right now and make me brand new? Would you give me forgiveness for my past, new life right now and an eternity in heaven with you? With every eye still closed and head still bowed, if you prayed that prayer, I'm so proud of you. That's the best prayer that you'll ever pray in your whole life. And it's the start of the most exciting journey that you'll ever go on. In just a moment, I'm gonna get you to do something nice and brave. I'm not gonna embarrass you, but what I am gonna ask in just a moment when I count down from three is just lift your hand nice and high. I'll see it. You can put it straight back down. I just wanna acknowledge you. You prayed that prayer, you meant to lift your hand nice and high. Don't delay. Three, two, one, go now. Awesome, in the middle, I see that. Anyone else, you prayed that prayer, you meant it. Today is your day. Wait a few more moments. I'm so pumped for this young man in the middle. Incredible. Well, come on, I'm gonna pray and we wanna celebrate together. Father God, I thank you that you are alive. You're not just an idea, you're not just distant, but you're close, you're personal, and you are here with us. I pray for that person and those that maybe prayed the prayer but didn't lift their hand, that today, heaven, celebrate as we celebrate brand new life. God, would you give them a vision for their life and make them brand new in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church, let's celebrate with those that made that decision this morning. Amazing. Let me tell you, if you made that decision, whether you raised your hand or you made that decision in your heart, but you didn't raise your hand, I want to tell you about your next step. Because I know when I made that decision many years ago, my first thought was, okay, what next? What do I do now? And we can give you a few next steps that you can take, some easy next steps so you can learn more about God and this relationship you now have with Him. And so if you take that Connect card in front of you and just put your details on the left and then tick the box on the right that says, I am committing or recommitting my life to Jesus, then 